Welcome to the Mindful, Beautiful and Thriving podcast series focused on youth mental health by Tarika Foundation. I'm your host, Dr. Lina Khanzode, a child psychiatrist and founder of Tarika Foundation. With me again is Gayatri Narayanan, a mindfulness instructor and educator. And she was with us last week started with giving us some foundation on what mindfulness is and how that could be used in parenting, which is such a daunting task. Welcome, Gayatri. Thank you, Lina. Thanks for having me. It's always lovely to be with you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for your valuable time with us again. Gayatri, I want to know, I guess, you know, when, when I talk about different parenting approaches with the parents I work with in my professional work, they usually are intrigued by mindful parenting approach, but then ask me if there is any science that supports that, what's the evidence behind why mindful parenting is the way to go than maybe the other paradigm that you were talking about, the dominant paradigm last time. So what would you have our listeners to understand about that? Yeah, it's a very important question. And I think we live in a very interesting time because we have so much interest in the subject of meditation and mindfulness and parenting. And there have been so many studies uh, that have been done in the recent years to show uh, empirically why the domination paradigm is quite harmful. For example, they've done many studies, for example, on the effects of spanking in a child's development in their brain and how uh, how the brain kind of gets stuck in the fear mode, you know, in that self-protective and fear mode, which can actually lead to a lot of anxiety, depression. So there've been a lot of studies on things like physical harm, but also on studies related to, you know, the other tools of the domination paradigm where they found harmful effects in the child's brain and in, in the development. But the first thing to understand is that the brain is a social organ, right? So it develops in relationship with others. So for example, a child, when a, when a baby is born, uh, only 25% of the brain is developed when a, ba- when a child is born, when a baby is born, right? And it, the brain grows to 90% of the capacity, 90% of the growth happens in the first five years of life. So there's a lot of neural connections being formed in the brain in those first years. They're very formative years. And the way those connections are made are based on the experience of the child that comes in relationship with the caregiver, right? So whether the child sees the world as a friendly place, as a place where where he or she can trust people, you know, trust the caregiver, feel safe, right? So all of those formative things happen in the first five years of life, you know, based on their experience with the, with their caregiver. Mm-hmm. And again, and it continues to grow all through life and it grows to its full maturation around the age of 25. So it's really, even all through the teen years, the brain is developing this, you know, so all the three parts of the brain, like, you know, when you think of the brain, uh, there's a beautiful model offered by Daniel Siegel, where he uses the fist. So if you kind of put your thumb in the middle and close your four fingers over the thumb and you hold your hand up like that, you can think of this as a model of the brain, right? So if you think of the wrist and the 
your hand as the brainstem. So that's the part of the brain which is the most developed when a child is born, right? So that part of the brain is is almost fully developed. And that's and that's responsible for things like circulation, hunger, um, you know, all the self-protective, you know, basic functions of respiration. Uh, all of that is centered in the brainstem. And then you've got the middle part of the brain, which is where the thumb is. You know, so if you think of the thumb as the amygdala, which is the alarm center of the brain, and that's the part of the brain that tells you, oh, there's a danger, there's fight, flight, freeze, right? So that, and that's the part of the brain that's responsible. The middle part of the brain is responsible for all your emotional life um, and development. So, so the first five years of your life, there's so much development happening in this middle part of the brain. So when a caregiver, when a parent, is is loving is available for the child is uh, supportive is empathetic that part of the brain grows with the assumption that the world is a friendly place that i don't need to be afraid right and so you know all these stress hormones like cortisol and all of that like it kind of is used in it's much more regulated so when you feel stressed the cortisol is released in the body in the brain and then you know when the threat is no longer there, it kind of subsides, right? But if you grow up in an environment of fear and, you know, shame and threatening, what happens is that the brain kind of gets stuck on the on button and it's not able to regulate. And it feels like it's always under threat. And that's why, you know, we find children developing things like anxiety mm-hmm. and, you know, long-term stress, you know, things like PTSD and all of that comes when that when that part of the brain kind of gets stuck in the fear mode, you know, the middle part of the brain is not able to regulate in a, in a healthy way. And then you have the higher part of the brain, which is like, if you, you know, you close your four fingers over the thumb, uh, you can think of this upper part of the brain as the prefrontal cortex and other higher functioning parts of the brain, which are responsible for things like uh, decision-making, self-regulation, executive functioning, uh, logical thinking, compassion, mindfulness, uh, creativity, all of those beautiful, wonderful human qualities that we have uh, that separate us from the rest of the animal kingdom, those all kind of reside in this upper, you know, in the prefrontal cortex of the brain. And that, and so what we want when children are growing, we want that part of the brain to be high functioning. You know, we want them to be able to access that part of the brain. And when you're in the fear mode, when you're in the middle part of the brain, you don't have access to those higher functions. Like, you know, so Dan Siegel says you flipped your lid. You know, it's kind of like that those four fingers are open and you're kind of stuck in the middle, in the frightened part of the brain, in the self-protective part of the brain. I have also heard about this uh, description, like, the emotional brain uh, hijacks your logical brain. Correct. It's a That's beautiful to what word. you're talking about. Exactly. It's a beautiful phrase, a hijack, literally like the, you know, the brain gets hijacked and it, and, and, and when the brain get, gets hijacked, when you're in the self-protective frame of mind, you don't have access to the, you know, to being able to think clearly, to make wise choices. You don't have access to that logical part of the brain, the compassionate part of the brain. So you lose that. You literally flip your lid. And so so as a parent, you know, if you understand that this is actually what's happening in the brain and that in the first five years of your life, the child is actually developing that self-regulating capacity, which is why you find younger children having things like tantrums, right? When they get overloaded, when they get emotionally 
overwhelmed. You'll just see them lying on the floor and kicking and screaming and crying. And if the parent understands that, hey, okay, this is what's actually happening in a five-year-old, their, their brain is still developing. I need to be there as a source of strength, as a source of support, as a source of compassion, uh, empathy, and to be there for them so that you can help them regulate and re-engage their higher brain and come back. And then you can teach them what you need to teach them. And that way they can learn because the higher part of the brain is engaged. Uh, they can understand, they can learn. But if you try to teach them when they're, when they're in that dysregulated state, they're not learning. They're not able to learn, right? And usually what happens in the domination paradigm is when you see a child having a tantrum, you know, you just send them off to their room and say, okay, now go to your room, you're punished, you know, or time out, you know. And so that kind of puts them in even more of a fear mode. And the child feels very, very uh, unsafe in a, in a situation like that. So this, uh, so when you offer empathy and when you help your child feel felt, uh, what happens is all the three parts of the brain get very nicely integrated. It's about how the connections between those three parts of the brain are formed. So, you know, the lower brain, the middle brain, and the higher brain all get integrated and, and the neurons are all connected um, in a way where the brain can actually regulate, can think, can function in an optimal way, you know, and it's not stuck in the self-protective fear kind of mode. Uh, so mindful parenting actually offers the tools to help us do that. It helps the, the, the tools that help us connect, that help us empathize, that help us stay present uh, so that we can also be present for these big emotions when the child has them, right? Uh, so that's where this parenting kind of helps. It kind of supports healthy brain development, if you want to think about it that way. And there's a lot of science that shows us that that is the case. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty fascinating. So you are saying that if a parent practices mindfulness or mindful parenting, they are actually contributing to this healthy development of their child's brain? Absolutely. And that's a pretty big statement to make, right? Oh. And, you know, and the good news, and here's what I want to offer the listeners here, you know, uh, if you're thinking, oh my goodness, you know, I've messed up my child's brain now, you know, there's no hope. That's not the case because the beautiful thing about the brain is that it grows and changes all through life. It, there's neuroplasticity. So that's a very hopeful aspect of our lives, you know, that no matter what kinds of hurt we've experienced, what kinds of trauma we've experienced, there's always that potential and opportunity to rewire the brain and to recreate new patterns and new habits of the mind. And that's where uh, practices like meditation helps. Uh, and you can always heal your relationship with your children and create a new, a new relationship. And the brain also rewires accordingly. So we are a very, very resilient species. And that's one of the beautiful things about the human brain. Uh, we can always learn, we can always grow, and we can always change those wirings and create new habits of mind. Yeah. So Gayatri, let me ask you a follow-up question. Mm -hmm. So are you saying that if I am being mindful about you know, my child's situation and what's going on for them in terms of their feelings. And then I'm looking inwards in terms of my feelings. Um, and, and I'm choosing a response based on that heightened awareness mm -hmm. in the moment. Is that 
what helps shape the child's brain development like how i'm responding is what's helping the child to learn to regulate their emotions and is that how the wiring happens or is it that i'm being a role model for handling a situation in a particular way and that's what they are learning and that's how that change happens you know it's both right because it's both and that's a wonderful question that you just asked because the thing is the truth is that our children learn more from actually observing us right a lot uh, you know it's not so much what we tell them to do like if i can i can tell my daughter you know you need to be kind you need to be generous you need to be loving you know don't hit don't you know don't hurt somebody else right but if i when she gets upset or if she's misbehaving or whatever and if i resort to yelling and screaming and uh, beating her or you know do using some of those approaches then what she's learning is is exactly the opposite right she's learning from my behavior it's not about what i'm telling her so it's really important for us to model the behaviors that we want in our children right so if we want them to be kind we need to be kind if we want them to be empathetic we need to show them what empathy looks like right if we want them to be generous we need to show them what generosity looks like right so uh so that's definitely one part of it but the other part of it is that when you empathize with a child right so when a child is having a difficult moment and the parent takes the time or the pause to connect with what is actually going on in the moment and you recognize oh here's a child who's having a difficult time right now they are sitting with their homework and they're not able to finish their homework they're stressed about about the deadline that's coming up tomorrow and they are they're getting restless they're getting agitated they're snapping at back at me um they're stressed you can i can see that in the body i can see that in the tone of the, their voice uh in their behavior so in that moment when you pause as a parent you recognize that ah that's what's happening so what is my child need right now right so what are the needs that my child is expressing right now the child needs support they need reassurance um you know so you you know even to say something like hey i can see that you're really feeling stressed about this homework that's due tomorrow um you know is it is it difficult do you need some help can i help you with this right uh or something like don't worry you know we can get through this do you need to take a break maybe i can get you a glass of water take a 5 minute break and come back to it so all of those things the problem solving that comes up when you recognize that this is what is happening that's only possible when you yourself are present and mindful and notice what's happening with the child and you're validating their feelings right you're saying hey are you scared are you worried that you're going to get a bad grade are you worried about what the teacher is going to say you know so you can kind of connect with their worry with their fear with their stress and when you connect with their feelings and needs what happens with the child is that they they're like ah there's a kind of an internal kind of a sigh that's like oh mommy understands me mommy gets what's happening to me and in that moment there's actually brain connections that are going on because they are feeling felt and their fear response actually goes down and they are then able to reengage their prefrontal cortex and connect with what's happening in their body and mind because you're reflecting that to them you're reflecting their feelings and their needs right and so that's helping those connections form between them because they are in the lower brain they're in the middle brain right when they're in that fearful stressful mode and when the parent is articulating the emotions and the feelings and needs they are engaging this part of the brain the higher part of the brain 
because they're naming it. They're identifying it. They're recognizing it in their own body because you're reflecting it for them. So the brain is actually forming those connections between all the three parts of the brain in that moment when you're empathizing with them. So that's how the brain develops those healthy connections between all the parts of the brain, just by this act of empathizing. Wow. Does that make sense? That makes much, much more sense. I think yeah. um, as, a, as a, a physician, I was, and especially like child psychiatrists where we do, do, do kind of learn a little bit of neurology and neuroscience, I was able to understand it uh, the first time you explained it, but I think now I understand it even more and more so for our listeners who are, you know, not all doctors or are not in the field of neuroscience. I think you explained it very beautifully with this example of just like homework being an example of source of stress, mm-hmm. how that exchange of communication with your, with your child by being mindful can be so empowering and can kind of facilitate this process of um, neuronal wiring and, and, you know, kind of the neuroplasticity being evolved and how that actually helps with a healthy brain development. Yeah. So it's beautiful because in a way what you're, what you're developing in the child is that capacity for self-reflection, but you're also teaching them the language of empathy, right? So they become empathetic. They become compassionate. They're able to identify those feelings in other people. And they're able to identify the needs of other people. So they become more compassionate as well. So you're not only helping them self-regulate, make better decisions, manage stress, but you're also creating humans of the future that are compassionate and kind, which is what we want in our world. What the world needs, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we are creating the leaders of the future, right? We are creating the adults of the future. So in that sense, parenting is a very it's a big responsibility, you know, um, and it's a form of activism if you want to think about it that way. Yeah. Because, because, you know, it's like you are doing the work for the future generation, for people to have healthy, happy lives in the future. Yeah. That makes total sense. Um, so Gayatri, thank you for giving us yet another understanding about why mindful parenting is so important. And, actually backing up with neuroscience and research would definitely intrigue our listeners even more to understand how they can do this in their day-to-day life. So we've talked about the basics and foundation for mindful parenting, the science behind why and how it works. And so in the future series, we are going to talk more specifically about the skills one can use in our day-to-day life when we are parenting. And and, uh, as usual, Gayatri is going to cover each skill each time and teach us to become a mindful parent. So thank you again, Gayatri. Thank you, Lena. Thank you for joining us. You're listening to the podcast series by Tarika Foundation, and it's called Mindful, Beautiful and Thriving. Stay safe and healthy till next time. 